Dropping the hammer. No, you're not. And welcome back to another episode of Dropping the Hammer with Dale McFadden. I'm Dale McFadden. And with me again this week to talk about the wild and crazy NASCAR race weekend at Circuit of the Americas in Austin, Texas, is my friend from last week, John John Law. <laughs> you, that, you make me so, John Law sounds like a terrible, like, like Walker, Texas Ranger villain. <laughs> <laughs> like <I> just <laughs> oh, okay 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 so okay as, as a walker texas ranger villain what's what's your gimmick what's your thing john law i, I don't i don't know i <laughs> what you you tell me what's your what, evil what, scheme what what what, what are, what's your racket that, that my that my evil my evil scheme is to keep formula one drivers at the track even though missiles are going off six miles away from the race course but that's a whole other <laughs> that, that's a whole other topic we can get to later if we want to um First of all, I, I got I have a guy named Cordell Walker on the phone saying he's come coming to take care of something the thing with the, the missiles. I don't why is he why is a Texas Ranger coming? I don't <laughs> he would if Walker if, if Walker Texas Ranger was real, he would have no business going to like Saudi Arabia to save F1 because Dale Earnhardt wouldn't be there. So like <laughs> Like why? Why would Walker Texas Ranger care about Max Verstappen being held hostage by the by the Crown Prince of Saudi Arabia? Like he just wouldn't care, would he? Unless like unless like Max Verstappen's like wife or girlfriend was American, and then, then there's probably something at stake for him. I don't this, know. This does sound like a Chuck Norris movie. Not, you know what's not... more? <laughs> you know what's more interesting than this made up scenario? Um, you had I want to talk to you about Coda because you were actually there. You were yes, on the, you were on the scenes, um, and you were actually there in the pit box with Trackhouse during that last lap that yeah. highly contentious last lap there between Ross Chastain and AJ Allmendinger and Tyler Reddick and Alex Bowman and everything that was going on there. So let's just start right there. What was it like being there and take me through the scenes that you, uh, that you saw during that, the, uh, during those moments, I should say. Well, okay. So yes, I was at Coda this weekend covering the rate, the weekend for French stretch and speed sport. Um, and so uh, for the most part, for the entire race, I was just in the media center. Oh, okay. Not the entire race. So start off, uh, me and Jeff Gluck from the Athletic, we went out uh, outside the track to the turn one area for the start of the race. So for pre-race ceremonies and all that, we were basically walking out to the spot right outside turn one. Which um, is a great spot, by the way. Like, like just, just visually on camera, just watching those cars go up that hill and on restarts just fan out going six seconds. Seven, sometimes even eight wide, it looked like, trying to funnel down. I'm sure that must have been cool. Well, we, we, so. we were actually on the where they go downhill from turn one after okay. that, that's that's where we were we weren't okay at the, cool we weren't at the top so we could see them yeah come over this rise and then come down right in front of us so yeah uh so we were out there for turn for that it was cool i liked it um then you could see them like go through the s's and then mm -hmm. disappear and this this was the weird thing i didn't think about that track is so big yes um as soon as they disappeared through the s's you basically pretty much stop hearing them really like yes when they are on the opposite end of the racetrack you cannot hear them it's like they're not huh. there um it's very very weird um you wouldn't know a race is going on i mean i guess that makes sense because like it is not only is it just a, a large area of land but it's also 
very wide open and there's not there's a plenty of area for the sound to just escape mm -hmm. from it's not like you know yeah. some of these other it's, it's not a very cavernous place i should say so. well the front stretch is cavernous yeah so that, that's a, that's a canyon but no we, we were out there but other than that which i'm glad we did that because gluck and i it took a while to get out there and you know then it took a while to get back so pretty much stage one was the most uneventful part of the entire race uh suarez let every, let every lap and so we really didn't miss anything so but other than that yeah i was in the media center for much the entire race and then with once the overtime restart period began i i had pinpointed all right where is where is justin marks right now where, where is the the number one pit stall so as soon as they were, you know, about to come around for the the, the green flag or whatever, I, I made my way to the to the pit stall, and there was a large group, you know, there's, uh, there's like TV radio reporters just camped out also, right, just, you know, just in case, um, and so yeah, I I got my phone out, fired up the the video thing and just pressed record basically as soon as Ross took the white flag um and it like I, did, did, you read the story i sent you right yes yes okay yes. so yeah like i said it's there, there's people everyone that was in the pit box that was with track house racing is pretty much just dead quiet for for 75 percent of the lap <laughs> like it, it's pins and needles um except for like just momentary bursts of like yes no um <laughs> it, it, it's and there's there's this one fan uh, who was standing right behind the pit box? Who was giving his own commentary throughout it, which was which was kind of annoying. But ev everyone who was with Trackhouse was pretty much just dead quiet. And then then they get through turns what 12, 13 and all that. Mm -hmm. And yeah. it, the stadium, the stadium portion of the track. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're they're you know they're jockeying for position. And then Ross loses the lead to, to Omnigger. Mm -hmm. And at, at that point, I thought I let myself believe, oh, it's done, it's over. This is Amendinger's race to win, and everyone's starting to get a little riled up. And then I didn't, you know, I remembered, oh wait, no, th these last few corners, they're they're very slow technical, so it's not like Amendinger's just going to run. Like right. he, he's he's got to slow down, and Chastain used that to his advantage. And they they there's that <laughs> portion where like. Almondinger, Chastain, and Bowman are like three wide, and then all of a sudden Chastain's is third, and then he starts. You know, I'm, I'm watching this out the corner of my eye on the TV, so that's on the pit box. So, uh, I, I, it's not got my complete full attention because I, I mean I'm also like trying like looking over at Justin Marks, trying to see what like what he's doing. He's like just completely uh, kind of neutral. Like right. he, he's, he's just taking it in, but as soon, as soon as Chastain turn, get, gets, uh, Elmendinger loose, he, he, he slides over, smacks into Bowman and all of a sudden the, everyone in the pit box just erupts. Like, like he, he, he's not even through, through, he's through, he's through, Turn nineteen on his way to the final corner. Turn yeah. twenty, and they're, it's it's done. They're they're going crazy, and uh, Mar Marks jumps up onto the the pit wall with another crew member, and they're just 
they're you know, raising their fists and cheering as Chastain comes through through the canyon. And then the, from that point on, for the next like 10, 15 minutes, it's just kind of just this chaotic energy. Um, uh, you know, I, I, I got to, you know, I interviewed Marks there on the front stretch. As, as, as he's waiting for uh, Chastain <laughs> to come back around. Um, and then I actually forgot. Forgot about the watermelon. Like, I, 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 <laughs> like, I, I, I was like, oh. I didn't. Yeah. I was watching at home and I was like, oh, he's going <laughs> to smash the watermelon. That was my first thought. It, it just escaped my mind because I'm I'm trying I'm just looking around see see who see who all's here, trying to like who who do I need to talk to and all that and then I I, I, I look up and there, there's Ross standing on top of the car. It's like oh wait yeah. <laughs> I try, At I first try. I thought he was going to throw the watermelon onto the car and I'm like no what are you doing? Like, they don't have many spare parts of these things yet. These are new cars. So I was I, for a second I thought he was just going to smash it on the car and I was like no Ross what are you doing? No. no. So I, I I bring got my phone out and hit record the instant before he throws it down so i don't, I don't get like the build up to it or anything it, it, i i started recording basically as soon as it happens right and then i'll like then everyone's like picking up pieces off the ground and eating it and stuff i that was so cool <laughs> that was that was one of my favorite parts i mean do you know how happy you have to be to pick like raw fruit off of like asphalt where like rubber's just been laid down by these nasty ass race cars all day and without even a second hesitation just like bite into it and have it all run down your face like <laughs> like that 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 speaks to oh, they, they didn't, they didn't care were. they didn't no care. yeah i wouldn't care either it was no. like, like i think i think later my mom my mom or my dad asked me so did you eat a chunk it's like no you should have no, no. <laughs> i would have no but no like like ty norris who's the the, the president of track house racing like at one point like a person like picked up a piece and just held it out to him and he just like leaned into it and just ate it like yes. <laughs> that's so cool it's so cool and it's so we talked about this previously on the last show about just especially how track house and 2311 specifically are just you know the epitome of like quote-unquote cool you know yeah. they're such they're such cool teams to cheer for and just watching that celebration and reading your story and hearing about the way this team celebrated this win it just makes them even more endearing to me just of course that would be a team like could you imagine if like ross chastain drove for hendrick like Ugh. do you think that like rick hendrick's gonna pick up watermelon off the track and eat it like mm. i think he would i think he would still celebrate in a way but like it's just this perfect, like, not only was this Ross Chastain's first win, this was Trackhouse's first yeah. win. It was Justin Marks's first win. That was everyone's first win. So Ross's win was everyone's win. And just the joy was just, it just, yeah. it just filtered down to everyone. And I, I don't think you get that if it's not with this specific team, with this owner, mm -hmm. this specific crew. And like I said, it's just imagine so... if, Imagine if Pitbull had been there. Oh my God. Oh my God. Wow. I, I, exactly. You know, and we can get to Daniel Suarez here in a minute. Cause he had such a promising day. that was really yeah. so shortly. Um, but again, we spoke about this on the last episode about, you know, track house was knocking on the door, both Suarez and Chastain were knocking on the door. They both have been racing really well these last couple of weeks and to watch Chastain hold his own on those restarts at the end of that race. And not only to, stay in the moment after Almendinger pushed him out of the way. But like you said, yeah. that portion of the track is so tight and so slow and so technical, you know, he, just because he got past didn't mean the race was over. He stayed focused. He stayed in the moment. He did what he had to do. He, he raced Almendinger rough right back at him and did what he had to do uh, to go get the win. And it was just so incredible to watch. And again, we see another great NASCAR race. I mean, this has been mm -hmm. 
such a fun, enjoyable season. I just, I'm still on such a high just from watching that race because last year's Coda was such a mess because of all the rain yeah. and the weather. So you didn't really quite know what to expect because last year didn't really count. And also it's a new car on top of that. So there's so many things to watch for. And it was such a great ending. This is this. I, I, I can't think there, there's, there are so many good vibes going on with the season yeah. right now. It's, and I can't it's insane. Think of, like, I can't think of how like when 2022 is over, like this, this race will probably still be on the Mount Rushmore for me not even necessarily because like, like all, 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 all like for the season or like all time nascar for, no just for season like when i think okay, back okay, to 20 okay. when i think back to 2022 yeah. like yeah. how could this not be one of like the four best no, memories absolutely. is watching ross chastain go toe-to-toe with almondinger there and then just ha- watch that whole team just like eat dirty ass watermelon off the track <laughs> i mean it was so fun it was so fun it was such a cool moment for not just ross chastain but for team trackouts and for all of nascar i think that was really cool and, no, and that you were that you were there to cover it was really cool as well. Yeah. So that, I'm and really like, happy for you. Like I, I'm not like I'm not like friends with Ross Chastain. Like, we're, but we're friendly. Uh, we, right. we get along. Like it helps that you know, like we're, we're kind of close in age. He's actually like two years younger than me. But um, but it like I you know I've been, yeah I've been writing about him for six years now. Um, through, through, through the highs and lows, like the DC Solar stuff. Um, specifically, yeah. I forgot all about that. Like, I forgot he, all about like, that. I mean, like I interviewed, I interviewed him early last year, early last year. And I, like, I asked him, like, what's it like for you knowing that you've reached this point in your career <laughs> and you reach, but you reach this point in your career because of a guy who's in prison now. Mm-hmm. Like, and he's like, man, I, he, he still doesn't know how to answer that because it, it's, 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 yeah, that's totally fair. I mean, how do you, I mean, that's really hard to answer um and you know not only the whole dc solar thing but he finally gets that full-time ride with chip ganassi mm-hmm. and chip ganassi sells the entire thing to, to track house yeah and everybody's wondering okay what's this mean for chastain all obviously we know how the story ended out but like you know here's a guy who even when he was racing in truck series like he always was kind of on a. I just for a guy like chastain who obviously is talented and is showing how talented he, he can be in a cup car now but like He's always just felt like he's been on this like tenuous spot, no matter where he's been, no matter what yeah. level, be it Cup Truck or, or Xfinity. Um, and, and, he, and, he's, and he's and he's always said like he he feels like that. He yeah. feels like it's the he constantly he's always felt like no matter what he gets, the the rug's gonna be pulled out from underneath him at, at a moment's notice because right. of stuff like DC Solar. Um, and but like they, they, they Justin Marks and Ross like they they discussed you know on Sunday like what it was like like he he ross texted you know marks um you know a few days after they announced that Trackhouse was, was buying an asset and he's like he texted him and said i want this like i i, I want this this ride um and like marks was like he he said after he, he told ross after after the race after he won he said like you were always the driver of this this car you're always the driver of the number one car um and i think he's gonna be the driver of the one car for a while um I mean, he, he originally signed a two-year deal with track house so giving giving him the most job security he's probably ever had in his life um and so i i can't like he, he has four top three fit four consecutive top three finishes john yeah that's insane. no he's yeah he's racing really well and you know suarez is too even though um 
the fin- he didn't have the finish that he wanted uh, here at Coda. One, because he was involved in that incident at the start of stage two, and then his power steering went out. <laughs> he raced all the way back up to 13th, then his power steering goes kaput, mm-hmm. um, and is basically racing just basically racing just to finish the race at that point i i on on instagram and twitter basically saying his shoulders and his arms felt like they were going to fall off i can't imagine trying to wheel mm-hmm. those cars around that many turns it's what 20 turns there like yeah three and a half miles i can't yeah. imagine um so props to, you know speaking of suarez i can't imagine the feelings he had going through yesterday it must have been a total roller coaster because oh yeah at the beginning of the race he had one of the three best cars. It was that stage one. It was obvious that like Suarez, Blaney and Cindric had the three best cars. Um, And then he gets spun out on that restart and the tires low and he's got to limp his car all the way back. Thank you, Corey LaJoy. Like, and like right there, his day's done. And then you think back to, you know, California, where if he just maybe takes a different uh, groove and turn four, maybe he holds on and he wins that race. And you know, let's not forget that Suarez was also the only track house driver last year. He it was a one car operation. He was the first guy. Yeah. It's, it's, he's within his rights and it's completely reasonable and fair for him to assume that he's going to get the first win for track house. And then it goes to Ross Chastain, Ross Chastain. Um, but to his fate, but you know, to Suarez's credit, he was a good sport about it. He was there in victory lane, congratulating uh, oh, Ross. Yeah. And he put, was putting on a good face. I'm sure it stung for him to have that good of a car, but have it go sideways, no pun intended, but to have his day just totally be upended through no fault of his own. Um, you know, it just seems like with Suarez, there's always just something that happens. It's not yeah. necessarily within his, within his grasp that just well, goes sideways of, for him. So. Well, really, if you, if you just take into account Suarez's cup career and the way it's, it's oh, gone. Yeah. Like, hit, hit, yeah. Him and, and him and Ross really have a, not, not a lot, but they have some in common. Like they've they've both had just gotten some raw ends of some deals in yes. their time. Yes, uh, they they haven't had anything handed to them. No. So, um, so I think that that that's just that dynamic is very interesting. These older guys, older, they're in their late twenties. Yes, um, <laughs> they're younger. They're younger than I am. <laughs> um, but it, it's yeah. I I'm, I'm imagine he was. But he 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 should be happy right now because he should Trackhouse. I don't want to say the the best team in NASC in the Cup Series right now, but uh, I mean they're they're certainly ahead of where you would think a second year operation would be, especially given you know not only is it their second year, but they've expanded mm-hmm. so rapidly. It's a whole new car, and these are drivers who we we know they have talent, but we always haven't necessarily been able to see it through whatever reason, and yet. You know, maybe Team Hendrick aside, I mean, they've got. I mean, look, look at the, you know the results are there. You know, Chastain and for Suarez. I mean, they're not just you know these. This, this isn't a fluke. You know, no, it's not. not they're up at they're, they're they're qualifying well. They're racing up at the front. They're challenging for leads. They're holding their own against these top tier teams with all these drivers with all this pedigree. That's not a fluke. Mm-mm. And like, I don't expect this to last throughout the course of the season necessarily. Every team has up and downs. Um, but I guess this is, I guess this is a question for you because, you know, you were there, you're actually covering this again. I'm just, I'm just the guy on watching it as a, on the couch from, t- from TV, but, um, yeah. but my, I guess the question for you is, you know, is, is this success is the success of track house because these drivers are finally in a good opportunity or is it because the car is more of a level playing field for these teams or is it a, a, a configuration of both? What, 
in your it, estimation, is making it's okay. Yeah, elaborate it, it, on that. It, 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 like no, Ross Chastain's ability has never been in doubt. Like he's consistently outperformed the equipment he's in. Mm-hmm. Like he, he's taken bad cars at JD Motorsport, J, JD Motorsports, and made them sort of competitive. Like, like and no one else is, is is doing that at JD Motorsports. That's that's just Ross that's done that. No one right. else has ever outperformed their equipment at that team. So once once you put Ross in good equipment, like he should be doing what he's doing right now. Um so that that's not surprising. Suarez, Suarez we we knew he what he could do. Mm-hmm. He he's an Xfinity series champion. Has he ever like lit the world on fire? No. Um but he, he first gets gets rushed into the cup car after Carl Edwards surprises everyone and just retires. And yeah, like five weeks before the season starts or something like it was like super close. Yeah. Yeah. It was. And then the second year there, he gets a brand new crew chief because completely switches. Then he loses, loses his ride to um, Martin Truex because furniture row closed down. Yeah. The Truex goes, goes, goes to Stuart Haas only there a year. Loses his ride to Cole Custer, whose whose dad is whose dad works there, and like you know, Suarez could have won the championship that year, and he probably still would have been out of the job. That's I mean, that's the way that from what I've read, that's pretty much the way it happened. That was always going to be a one year deal, which sucks. But if you're Suarez, I mean, what are you going to do? Say no to a ride? (laughs) I mean, which is why he went to Gott Brothers Racing the next year, a team that That, didn't have a didn't have a charter. Yeah, that was the worst. Then he he wrecks in his. Yeah, he wrecks qualifying for the 500, misses the 500. Yeah. Um, that was the worst. The worst part about the Stuart Haas tenure for him was the way it ended and that it ended so late where every other ride had sort of been solidified and mm-hmm. he's just the odd man out. And then he just, he ends up with Gaunt Brothers and, you know, racing in, you know, eight-year-old equipment. So yeah. um, reading some interviews from him during that season, like you could tell he was in a really bad spot. He always put on a good face because that's just who he is. Yeah. Um, and that's what I like about him so much. But you could just see that was a really hard year for him. And rightly so. I mean, I get it. I totally get it. Um, it's just it's just nice to see, like I said, both drivers who have had their their shares of, of setbacks and some tenuous holds on on cup rides or, or any sort of ride in this sport to be in a place where not only are they secure, but they're given a chance to be who they are and given a chance to yeah. compete on a more on more fair terms um they're not it, it feels like both of these guys are both halves of the same coin both sides mm-hmm. of the same coin it's not like Stuart haas or um jgr where he they all were especially for suarez he always felt like the fourth guy on the totem pole yeah so it's 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 a great story how could you not love it this is and, such a, it's, it's so great for the sport and really i think the only other I mean, Tyler Reddick was in the mix. If he if he'd won, that would have been cool. That would have been a story for but sure. I think, yeah, I think the only other person who could have won Sunday and it the celebration would have felt like Chastain's would have been Suarez because yeah. that's basic. That's more or less his home track. Mm-hmm. Um, whichever it's either that one or for Montana, which, whichever you want to choose or whatever. But yeah, there's a heavy Hispanic population in that in both areas around there. But I mean, geographically speaking, Daniel, the closest track, uh, the closest place uh, to his home is is Coda. You should get that right. Okay, Mr. Sport, right. Mr. Sports Reporter. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> but, I, 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 but I do think like, I think that that might have been the only one that could have matched it. Yeah. Um, and I think we're gonna we're I think we're gonna see it this year. 
Um, I think so like, too. So wait, we're we're currently at three first time winners for the, the first six races. That hasn't been do- been done since two thousand one, uh, twenty one years ago when Michael Waltrip, uh, Elliot Sadler, and Kevin Harvick did it, and there wound up being five first time winners that year, which is which is equals the modern era record of which was also done in two thousand eleven. So we we get we get these ten year cycles of right. exponent like of first time winners galore, um, and I think we're gonna get Reddick. That's gonna happen. Um, yeah, and Suarez that could easily happen. Um, so I I would love to see it for for both of those guys. And my favorite thing about your story is <laughs> the deep dive you go into the watermelon. Uh, where you know you were asking like, is that an actual farm-grown watermelon from uh, Ross Chastain's family? And, and you were talking to his mom, and you know how you know his dad or was still back at home in Florida planting, you know, mm-hmm. planting the farm. That's it's so neat to see guys like Chastain and even Chase Briscoe who come from such blue-collar grassroots. Like you know, these guys are talented, but they didn't just show up with like a piggy bank full of money and a bunch of sponsors mm-hmm. to put them in a car. Like these are guys that had to really scrap and scratch and earn their way and get to what they have. And, and the fact that like Chastain is successful, but like his family is still back at home on the farm planting watermelon. It's just, it's really cool to see that. And it's, 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 it's drivers like that that are such a lifeblood for this sport. So to see them get to the top of the mountain is really cool. Well, the, we, I said said this on a podcast I was I was on earlier today. Like there there was this I feel like slightly unfounded stigma in the sport for a while where it's like oh everyone's just here's just pay drivers or whatever they they bring sponsors like that might be true for like some mid pack twentieth place teams. And just to be sure, I'm not I'm not dumping on anyone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We all come from you know yeah. people can't help the situations they come from. And I'm not trying, you know, I'm not trying to say that like one is more deserving than the other. I'm just saying, just given the nature of this sport and this goes just speaking for me personally, like I I like cheering for that across the spectrum in sports. Like even in the NBA, like Giannis Antetokounmpo, like that guy grew up dirt poor in Greece. Um, And the very, his very, uh, if you ever get a chance, read that, uh, that super old Grantland article on Giannis Antetokounmpo. Daniel, do you know the very first meal that, uh, Giannis had in America was a smoothie at the Milwaukee airport. <laughs> he, he had no clue what a, what a, what a smoothie was. Um, and like to him, like basketball shoes were like precious because like he yeah. grew up in almost abject poverty. And so to come to the NBA and see all these NBA players that get these big time shoe deals, he saw these players throwing away their old basketball shoes. And he was like apoplectic. He's like, what are you doing? And they're like, they're just old. He's like, no, don't do that. So just, just to see these people that like come from the lower end of the economic of the economic yeah. spectrum it's cool and again i'm not saying that as a disservice to those who come no. from money because yeah, yeah, talent yeah. is still talent at the end of the day it's just you know when you have when you have money you have more doors open to you and that's just the mm-hmm. way things are but again i'm not trying to i just want to yeah, uh, yeah I, I get you put a disclaimer I'm, so i'm just saying like re- like if you if you're if you're going through the catalog of cup drivers who like you know competitive guys who Aside from like William Byron, who has the Liberty University money, um, really like who who's here, who's in a top cup ride just because of money? I would say like Eric Almarola is really it. He, he's got that Smithfield money. 
Yeah. Like, no, no one's going out of their way to hire Eric Amarillo based off talent. Like, you would know that more than I would. <laughs> <laughs> Again, I'm just the guy that sits on the couch watching on TV. So, but I mean, that sounds right. Like, I, mean, I, mean, I, mean, I, tr- I trust your judgment. Har- Harvick got here on talent. Yeah. Denny Hamlin got here on talent. Brad Kozlowski, mm-hmm. talent. Um, Chris Busher, talent. Um, Chase Elliott, well, he's Chase Elliott. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that might be the other exception. 2020 champion Chase Elliott. But like Hendrick signed him when he was like 14 years old. Hey, like, it, it's like <laughs> I mean, I mean, I, I mean, you would too. You would too, wouldn't you? I mean, I don't know. he he. I mean, it Chase, worked out. Chase Elliott is a wildly inconsistent driver, and no one wants to talk about it. <laughs> I mean, that's a deep dive for a whole other conversation. I'm willing <laughs> yeah. to have that. I'm willing to have that conversation. I cheer for Chase Elliott, but you know. There, oh. he hasn't won on an oval since when Phoenix, yeah, and even the last couple of road course races. When he but came, he's, four, he's, he's he, came somehow... in, he came he came in fourth at Coda, but it was a very quiet fourth. Yeah, but he he's somehow first in points. He somehow has the best average finish through six races, yeah. and it, it was like, when how? <laughs> <laughs> just he just finishes. I mean, it, it, he's been he's been consistent, but again, it's always been quiet. Like it's not like it's almost been like the anti Kurt Busch, like where like Kurt Busch is like they're making points during the broadcast to show like how many cars Kurt Busch is passing to come yeah. up, in, you know, with these strong finishes. Uh, but then Chase Elliott, I don't know, it's like a, it's like a, it's like the worst kind of fart, silent but deadly. So, <laughs> and that's a riveting podcast for you folks. Um, anything that should, else? That, that, that should be Chase Elliott's next shirt, silent. But- <laughs> get the silent but deadly meal uh at hooters monday after races 10 percent off um what uh anything else you want to talk about any other storylines from coda before you want to move on here um trying to think let me let me look at the results just like what pops out so i do i would i would assume they come back right it hasn't been confirmed but i would assume they come they they, apparently the pa announcer was saying stuff about buy your tickets for next year Cool. During, during I would I would love to catch a NASCAR race at Coda. I would love to go to it Coda. is it is I've never been to a facility like that. That I mean that that's the first time I've ever been to like a purpose-built F1 facility. But like yeah, you got this huge tower in the middle of the track, which I went up when which I went up in on Sunday. Cool. It, it was very windy. Um yeah, it looked windy. <laughs> almost lost my hat, was a <laughs> scared to death I was gonna drop my phone. Uh, <laughs> um there, there, there's a soccer pitch. Like yes. a, a mini soccer stadium in the middle of that place. Yes. There's like a few hundred seat auditorium. Yeah, in the like the amphitheater. Yeah, I've seen it. Yeah. There's a temporary, you know, um amusement park thing. It looks mm-hmm. like a fair. And I heard I think they're actually gonna build a Scott Cooper from SMI said they're actually building an actual like a full-on theme park. Yes. Cool. Um I wonder what the theme would be. Um uh so it's ride the f1 simulator avoid the missiles um (laughs) i I should joke about that but like um oh just from the broadcast every time it cut to commercial it played a foo fighters song which i thought was a nice touch um Mm -hmm. given everything that happened with that band so over the weekend obviously with uh, taylor hawkins passing away uh just heartbreaking so that was a nice touch. They didn't really talk about it on the broadcast, but it was, if you knew, you knew. So that was it, nice to see. So, yeah, we, we don't get to see like the, we don't get to see the buffers in and out when you're in the media center. Like as soon as it goes to commercial, they turn it down 
and you're then you're just like either you're still watching like the raw feed right of the race and then they'll like turn up the radio broadcast so yeah i did i think i i saw I, I read about that like on twitter that they were doing that yeah so it was it was, was a cool. nice touch um i'm trying to think yeah there's i think i've said my piece on this race oh uh poor bubba wallace doing the doing the track walk on uh <laughs> on 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 a on his uh skateboard if i can get the words out on his skateboard yeah, totally eats that. it totally eats it plays it cool which you know what are you gonna do uh he's out there having fun because i mean look it's a big facility it's 3.4 miles uh go have some fun don't walk that um but then he comes in 38th place tire falls off crew chief suspended what four races four races yeah two, two, two crew members two, are suspended. Two crew members, yep. damn and like and he was at one point he was in like 15th which like for Bubba Wallace on a road course is okay because like he's he's openly said like hey I suck at this like I'm not good at road courses that's the and whole reason then, he ran then the Saturday, he, Saturday Saturday he had transmission issues in the Xfinity race and he he yeah. had a good car then he, he might have been yeah. competitive but... yeah so you know so when I, I, I when I saw him running 15th I'm like hey that's not bad for Bubba here that's actually kind of good for him and then you know the whole thing goes sideways because the tire issue it's like damn um and Kurt Busch comes in 32nd so 23 11 not the best of days so yeah, I don't know what happened to Kurt because he was kind of back there in the back like the entire race. Yeah. And I, I, they never really, I never got a good reason why. Um, but, oh, well, on, on, to, on to the next race. <laughs> on to Richmond. Um, yeah, I don't have anything else to talk about for, for Coda unless you do. So anything, what else you want to talk about? Oh, man. So what, what, did, you, what did you think about the uh, Brad Keselowski penalty? So... You know, I really don't have a dog in this fight. Um, like so, they, they haven't they haven't explicitly said what they did. Uh, right, that's the, what I was going to ask. Like, like what did they even do? I know but, that his car was taken to the research facility. Yeah, but they haven't said what the what the thing was that he did. Well, uh, on serious, is, there, is Radio, there a reason why they wouldn't say that? Well, um, I they, like Kevin Harvick said, uh, why don't they just put put the thing that they they did out here in the garage for everyone to see like th- this yeah. is like don't do this right um which i i think there's no reason not to tell us like I th- didn't they say that they modified a part because like, all yeah. these parts now are just direct from the manufacturers you're yeah. not supposed to modify anything but they just modified a part but they didn't say what the part was yeah on okay. well, last last week the day they announced the penalty dave moody on sirius x and radio said that his sources had said that they modified like a a a body panel, like a rear body panel that had been it had been in a wreck, and then they repaired it and they did something to it and they didn't submit it to NASCAR for approval. And okay. that that but that's what Dave Moody said, and that's the only thing close to a reason I've heard anywhere. My sources say that they gave the car uh, too many natural male enhancement pills, and it was no. more than six it was more than six hours and it had to go to the doctor um no but like I, all joking aside like if you're kevin like i agree with kevin harvick like why the secrecy yeah like why why try to catch unless there's been some sort of internal memo that's been released to the other teams i would assume that would leak somehow that would obviously come out if that had been passed um that, well, that had been passed also forever. remember well, we had the thing at Daytona with the illegal wheel modification. Yes, and we never heard anything Roush- after that. There was no penalties for that, correct? Because no, yes, there wasn't any. Because NASCAR's like, you're you're right. The thing you did was for a safety reason. Okay. Like other teams were like, yeah, this is this is a problem. It's like, okay, fine. 
But so, if you're not going to like say what it was, it just feels like NASCAR is trying to catch other teams with their pants down. It's like, just be open. Just say, hey, this is what it was. Don't do it. Mm-hmm. And then like everyone's on the same page. It's really not that hard. It, it really is just like, just show everyone in the garage, just issue a report, have little pictures or a little, little PowerPoint presentation, you know, <laughs> like we're back in middle school. Like, you know, just, do, I, I don't, I don't see the reason for the secrecy here. Would it, would it be, a, would it be a PowerPoint presentation or would it be on like an overhead projector? Well, we got the new car, so it wouldn't be overhead. If, if it was Gen 6, it would definitely be overhead projector, but it's a new car, so everything's new and shiny, so they're going to upgrade to uh, uh, PowerPoint with, you know, the, the animated transitions and all that stuff. You know, this, is, this, is, this is NASCAR. It's cup racing. Are That's overhead projectors still a thing? With, I'm know, sure they are somewhere. You, you, the clear thing, and you put it on the... I'm can, sure they are. I'm sure on. they are somewhere. I couldn't... I, I, I have no clue. Maybe, like, the, like, most... I, no, I'm not even going to go there. Never mind. I'm going to say something that's going to get me in trouble. Um, so, so we, we we have all right. So we have we have six different winners. There's six races. Yes. Like, like we said, we we think we're going to see Reddick and Suarez wins. So that gives that would get us to eight. Yep. Do you think how possible right now? Do you think it is that there could be 16 different winners by the time we get to the regular end of the regular season? Man, that's tough. It's tough to say. I mean, I remember there was this conversation last year and it didn't come to fruition. I mean, any, anything could happen, obviously, but it just feels like it feels like there's going to be some regression to the mean, right? Like you'd expect Larson to win some more races, maybe Bowman to win one or two more. Um, you would expect, I mean, Blaney's been so good to start out this season. Mm-hmm. He hasn't won yet. You'd expect Blaney to win multiple races. Um it's really, it's really hard to tell. Um, but then again, we really haven't gone to like a track that's like the same track. Like all these tracks have been like their own individual thing. They've had their own character and their own uh, personality to them. Yeah. Um, so I, and plus with the new car and everyone trying to learn everything on the fly week to week, that adds another wrinkle. I, I'm inclined to say no, but at the same time, like, don't hold it against me if I'm wrong, because this whole se- <laughs> this whole season um, could go sideways. But even like, you know, even guys like Eric Jones, who's racing in the top 10 almost every week. And, and Ryan King, he, like, he, and- he, he, we're getting a caution from him at, like every week at this point. <laughs> it's kind of bad. It's kind of yeah. Where did he finish this week? Yeah, he's ninth place. There he is again. Ninth place. Oh, he, he and, was? Know, oh, okay. Yeah, he was ninth. Right. And, you know, you mentioned, you know, you mentioned Ross Chastain. I mean, not Ross Chastain. I'm sorry. You mentioned Tyler Reddick. You know, his teammate Austin Dillon came in 10th. And he's had a couple good cars the last couple of weeks. He's just been dumped through no fault of his own. So can't okay, so, so just, either. So. so just assuming that like Reddick and uh, Suarez win. Okay. He, here's who everyone just, I'm just looking off of a, an NBC picture graphic. They made out of the top 20 in points in the playoff leaderboard or whatever. Here's who hasn't won yet. Right. Chase Elliott. He'll win. Ryan Blaney. He'll win. Joey Logano. Probably wins. Martin Truex Jr. Probably wins. Eric uh, Amarola. He's, he's good at super speedways. Never count him out. Yeah. T- Tyler Reddick. Uh, Kyle Busch. Sh- you would assume he wins. He's never had a season where he didn't win. Yeah. Kurt Busch. I, sure. Like, yeah, he won last yeah. year. He's Kevin Harvick. You would think. Again, you would think. Eric Jones. Maybe. Austin. That's probably the one that I would say maybe not. But still, I, again, I wouldn't be surprised. Austin Dillon. Uh, yeah, he could do it. Chris Busher, that that's one where you're like uh, that's one where I don't necessarily see it. Yeah. Yeah. Bubba Wallace. Um, sure. 
So, yeah, Talladega, Daytona, sure, or even about, or even or even Martinsville or one of these short tracks. He's good at short tracks too. So the thing about Denny Hamlin's not included. In the top. Oh, I know. Like, like it's it's so um, and like someone like Harrison Burton could maybe pull one out of a hat like at a, at a super speedway. Yeah, uh, he he's had a pretty cruddy year so far though. <laughs> but um, like. Man, if if we get to so the next three races are Richmond, Martinsville, Bristol Dirt, uh, Bristol I'll, I'll, Bristol Dirt's a wild card. Yeah. Um, but if we like if we get like three more different winners in the next three races, I think you seriously have to consider that maybe maybe uh we can get to sixteen. Um, yeah, I I, I it's. And again, you know, it's it's kind of easy to fluff it off. Like, oh, well, you know, 16 is a lot. We talked about this last year and it didn't happen. But like, you know, anything is seems possible with this new car. It seems like it's been a real equalizer. Last year, I don't know if Ross Chastain wins the race last year. I don't know if Daniel Suarez is, is running as well as he has. Um, you know, hey, back to Brett. Chast- back to- Chastain was, he earned his first cup top five at coda in the rain in the old car that's right so, i remember that so. I, the only thing i remember out of coda last year was that uh cold custer martin truex crash that's the only thing i remember from that race um <laughs> that and just everybody being wet and miserable and questioning why they were even racing um speaking of back to brad keselowski like his season's effectively done no like he, 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 he can win i need, I need to know, i need to see where he is in points i have that's one thing i haven't like he can win yeah. and get in the playoffs assuming yeah. he meets the the points requirement otherwise it's 30th place right if you win and in the top 30 uh, well, i believe before sunday he was 35th he was 35th and he gained one spot he's okay, now 34th so he's 34th but like, behind so, david reagan bj mcleod oh my god and they haven't even uh bj he, he who i should great jumping off point uh that you'll soon be hearing an interview i did with bj mcleod uh earlier today um where i talked with the live fast motorsports driver slash team co-owner um but yeah he's behind bj who's who has been in every every race but sunday at coda david reagan who's only made two starts um yeah is he ahead of jacques villeneuve yes yes i know yes. i know i'm being facetious i you know uh, uh just full full clarity jacques villeneuve is my helmet i'm not making fun of him i love that dude i was so glad he made a 500 um but but, but seriously though if, if brad Keselowski say he wins a race he's playoff eligible gets in the top 30 in points he still loses what 10 playoff points yeah i mean i mean is the season effectively over i mean obviously if you win you move on i mean winning cures everything apparently but like the points just seem so so and, steep against his favor right now, and just Roush, Roush as a team right now isn't stellar. Um, I mean, they they won the the they won the duels, races yeah. at five hundred, but since then it's been pretty for them. So I don't know. It, it it's but again, it, you could also say that about a lot of Fords too. Like it seems like Chevy is like the only manufacturer that's really got yeah. their stuff got their stuff buttoned up um you know toyota you know like, like we said last week to, you know kurt bush and martin truex aside it seems like toyota's really got an issue um even though you know kyle bush is two laps away from winning if that caution doesn't come out but um so i wonder if part of it is is just forward but also like again like you said like it just seems like the team just doesn't have it right now and especially if you're if you don't have it and you're already on the precipice and then 
you get that huge point deduction. It just, it just feels like their season's already over, which is weird to say, even though it's technically not, I know, but like, it just feels. Well, he, well he's currently 163 points back from first place. 30th is currently Harrison Burton. Uh, and he is minus 128. Um, so that's sort of a, a, a roughly about like the max amount of points the, the gap between him and Harrison Burton is sort of like what the if you if you maxed out your points in one race, that's kind of like what the gap is. Okay. So I mean, he, um, I mean, he can do it. I mean, it's Brad Keselowski. No, no, I, think I would. Yeah. 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 He's. I think he's going to get to top thirty easily. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. so. Yeah. That's not what I'm necessarily saying. I'm just saying like if he does make the playoffs, the points deduction just already feels like he's like he's he, he's already you know behind now but then if he makes the playoffs with that point deduction it feels like he would just go right back to square one and be behind yet again in the playoffs but and then just constantly have to win and we've seen how hard some of these playoff races can be to win because you know just it seems like nascar now is you know every race is its own distinct thing you know you've got you know you've got you know chaos races like talladega plus you have all you know the role which is its own monster so i mean i'm not saying he can't do which it which is in the playoffs that's in the playoffs, yeah though. yeah in so, the playoffs yeah yeah so Talladega's not the playoffs. I thought it was. Talladega's playoff race. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's, I, I'm not saying. I, I, I thought we were talking about like before playoffs. For no, I'm sorry. Like, I'm just talking about playoff races, but it's just so, like it just feels like his season's already done, which is weird to say. Of course, you know, who knows what could happen, but um, yeah, I well, think I think I finished <laughs> looking at. I just saw a picture of Ross Chastain eating watermelon off the ground, so that's why I laughed. Um, yeah, I think I'm done talking about Coda. Um, before we get to PJ McLeod, anything you want to say about Richmond? I like, so we talked about it last week is like, this is one of the, you know, th- three tracks that I was like, okay, can, uh, this car improve the racing there? Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm cautiously optimistic. Um, yeah, me too. I mean, so- I'm cautiously optimistic as well. I, I never go into a race going oh man i hope this race sucks just to prove my my my, (laughs) just to prove my own bias like i want every race to be good because it's good for the sport it's good for me as someone watching on tv um i hope it's a better race i don't know what a better race looks like if you ask me to define a better race for richmond i don't know how to answer that question because each race like the bar is so low (laughs) i don't know how to i don't know how to answer that question um but in general yes i just i'm excited to see how this car drives i'm excited to see if this car can save Richmond, because I think it's important for Richmond to be on the speedway, to be on the, on the NASCAR circuit, I should say. Um, but again, if, if like Texas, if it's not delivering good races, go elsewhere. Yeah. NAS- NASCAR can't afford to, you know, pay lip service to it, to just one track if it's putting on a bad product. So like you cautiously optimistic, hope you have something good to talk about next week. Um, but you interviewed BJ McLeod. Um, that must have been a fun interview. I'm curious why you singled out Mr. McLeod. Because well, I because I, I had interviewed him back in October. Uh, okay. I went I went to Kansas Speedway and I was doing a series for Speed Sport about the next gen car. I, I wanted to get that small team perspective on it, and so I six six races into the year, I wanted to follow up with him, see see where um where Live Fast Motorsports uh, is with his car, um, and so far it's you know according to BJ it's really meeting the the standards they thought they they're they're happy right now Good. uh they had they had a they had a crappy weekend in austin with andy lally 
having a DNF after an accident, and that was after his car failed inspection three times, so he didn't even get mm. to qualify. Right. But other than that, um, they've they've been. B- BJ told me, you know, last year, like we're still going to be finishing, you know, off the lead lap, but fewer laps off the lead. Um, and they they've gotten gotten some lead lap finishes uh, this year at tracks that they didn't last year. So um, I don't know, like if you know you know what BJ McLeod looks like, right? Yes, 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 <laughs> yes, yes. I know, I know what BJ McLeod looks like. Um, he, he he looks like a like the lead singer for Stained or something. I, 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 don't, I don't know. It's been a while since I finished on the lead lap it's been a while no i'm joking no seriously mad respects to bj mcleod you know i can't imagine owning your own team like like i would not be bj mcleod i would not own my own team and just but also at the same time because the amount of money that goes into this sport is outrageous i know the, the low i know the new car lowers lowers costs and all that stuff but at the same time we're still talking about astronomical amounts of money Mm-hmm. Daniel and I can breaking news. Daniel and I are not going to start a NASCAR team tomorrow. So, um, but like the fact that like what, you have what, a guy, what, what, what would we call our team? Oh man, that's a great question. Anything that would get Katy Perry's attention. <laughs> <laughs> that's anything that would get Katy Perry's attention. I don't know what that would be. Uh, we can brainstorm that off, 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 off the microphone. Um, but um, seriously though, hats off to BJ McLeod and just other drivers like him. Yeah. who own their own stuff and do the dirty work of competing in this sport, but also knowing that, you know, they don't have the best equipment. They're showing up, not just one step behind everybody, but several steps behind everybody, but still giving it their all and still getting out there competing and doing the best they can with what means they have. That, that, that takes a lot from someone to do. And I know that I couldn't do it mm-hmm. straight up. I could not do that. If I had the money to do it, I would not do it. Um, so for BJ McLeod and other small teams, major props to them, and it's really cool um, that you got to talk to him about that. Uh, he he to give him a does, platform. Yeah, as well. he does not. If you if you if you were to see BJ BJ McLeod from across a room, he does not meet what 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 you think he would be. He's not. He's a very well spoken man. Like he, oh, I'm he's sure. very he's very he, he he's a very interesting conversation. Uh, one of the most interesting interesting things about the in this interview is like he said like last year when it came to like team budget sizes we were probably like six from the bottom now because of everything that happened last with uh charters and stuff and all that exchanging they're now last when it comes to budget sizes <laughs> so um but which i found very very interesting oh among, among the full-time charter teams anyway so um but he 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 shares like what how this next gen car is benefiting this team he says like we're, we're going to save millions of dollars so just just because we don't have to do research and development stuff um but he 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 talks about wow well, well, uh, never mind i lost my train of thought uh he Very shares the, he, how, he, how about instead of talking about it let's just listen let's okay. let's hear from the let's just hear straight let's get it straight right. from the horse's mouth let's listen to mr mcleod all right so before before uh mr mcleod uh john where where can they find you where can they find your, your stuff? Uh, I'm on Twitter at John LaFollet, J-O-N-L-A-W-F-I-L-E-T. Uh, if that's too much, just 
look up Daniel McFadden stuff on Twitter. I'm sure he'll tag <laughs> me when he posts this stuff. It's the same handle on Instagram. I don't really post much on either these days, uh, but on Instagram, you see my, my cats and my, and my dog. So if you want to see some cool fluffy content, find me on the IG. And, and your massive um, record collection. Yes, my massive. I just had a TikTok go semi-viral yes. this week. Yes, that was my my algorithm. Uh, the the algorithm lord smiled upon me and made me go viral for one day. So that was kind of fun, I guess. I don't know. I I don't have enough money to start a NASCAR team though. So, <laughs> anyways, but if you sold for, all those records, you might. No, I still wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. I wish it were that easy. But all right. So yeah, f- follow John where you can. Follow me at Dan McFadden on Twitter. Email me at at danielkefadden at gmail.com and but yeah here's my interview with bj mcleod the sometimes driver full full-time owner part or co-owner of live fast motorsports and uh you get to hear him share the story of the first time he drove a semi at the age of nine so <laughs> so it, it's, it's it's a really interesting interview and i hope you enjoy it but this enjoy the interview and this has been Dropping the hammer with Dale McFadden. I'm Dale McFadden. Take care, everyone. I'm good. Sorry, I was four minutes late. I was finishing up a call. It just went a little bit longer than I thought it would. That's fine. You're you're here now. Um, yeah. So what what is uh BJ BJ McLeod do, doing on McLeod? How do you pronounce your last name? It's McLeod. Okay. All right. Okay. All good. Yeah. It's all right. Man. It's what weird is, the way it's spelled. I know. Yeah. What is BJ McLeod doing on 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 Tuesday morning or afternoon? Well, we were we were at the shop just working on uh, making sure Xfinity stuff's getting rolling for this weekend. We've obviously tore up a lot of stuff, and our guys have been working a ton to try and keep us going. And this is the first week we can actually, you know, we got a close race, not driving across the country, and we yeah. can uh, we can you know get get stuff prepared a little bit more like we like it and try to get things, you know, headed the right direction. So I've just been there looking at that and cup deals, you know, it's, it's rolling along, just uh, checking on everybody working out normal stuff, man. So, so on the cup side, how would you describe what, what you guys experienced on over the weekend? Well, over the weekend, I actually didn't go to Coda, but you know, Andy was fast. We knew he was going to be quick because he's an unreal road racer, right? And you know, he was he had top twenty speed there, um, average, and uh, just got taken out on a restart. Nothing, nobody, you know, no fault of anyone's. Just you know, part of it happens. And uh, when he got hit, it broke up Ray frame on the uh, the I think it was the left rear. And it just took him out of the race. Nothing you can do about it. So, uh, so through six races, are you meeting, like, I guess, aside from, you know, Coda and I guess Phoenix, are you guys meeting like the expectations you had so far for this year? You know, we didn't really set any exact expectation because this is the toughest the cup series has been. And, you know, at least 10 years, if not longer, as far as competition. And, you know, we knew we're, we're, you know, small fish in a big pond, right? Like we, uh, we, we, we have a, a really uphill battle in front of us, but it was, we wanted to see what the next gen car would do for us. Right. Because yeah. everybody's so excited to get going. And, you know, we, we believed in this thing is why we come into sport when we did anyway. Right. So, you know, it's, there's one big reason. So, 
I, uh, I absolutely am pleased with the results after six races, you know, to see the parody of the next gen car from small teams to big teams, right? Like there's just so much more of a small window to work with, with this car that it keeps us a lot closer. Obviously we're not where we want to be, right? Like we want to win like track house or win like 23 XI, but we also, you know, didn't start with nowhere near the resources, yeah. um, you know, that, that they were able to, to start out with. Right. So, you know, we, we have, we have our own path and, and our own road that we have to go down, but it's been very pleasant to see that, you know, we know now if we can work and, and do the things that, you know, Trackhouse and 23XI have done, and it's going to take us a lot of time, right? But if we can do that, these guys have done an awesome job. And, and you know, Ross getting that win this weekend. I did an interview last week, and uh, I said in that interview, Ross Chastain was going to get a win, right? And it happened the very next week. So <laughs> it's cool to see that, you know, those guys are able to accomplish what they have. Justin, Ty, everybody over there, very proud of them. And, just extremely happy for him. And I've been friends with Ross for forever. I've, you know, we were, we're from like, I was born like probably 50 minutes from where he was born. So, oh, really? you know, yeah, it's so cool to see him achieve that and just, uh, just, you know, so happy for him. So that, that concept, seeing what they pulled off this weekend, that's what, you know, proves that, you know, what, may have been considered a small team right like it they're not i mean they have a ton of people a big facility took over something that was you know very good but mm. it's you know it's just you're you're not they're not you know one of the one of the names that have been here for 25 years right yeah. 30 years longer 50 years like they're not that name and and they were able to put together a program and in 48 months they've got to win right like it's not 48 months 24 months sorry 24 months they've got to win right so mm -hmm. it's it's crazy that, that that's you know that's so cool and and that's what the next gen car is doing right and that's what we've been able to see over these first six races is that's what's that's where we're headed we just have to do our job and and work and dig in and work to get the budget to be able to get the people and the infrastructure to match them and go race with them so you said this is the, the toughest that NASCAR has been or the cup series has been in like 10 years. Like what, what's your measuring stick for that? Like what are, what are you using to make that, that assessment on the competition level? So if you look at it last year, we could run 30th easily every week. No problem at all. A little bit higher. And there was more low budget teams last year. Okay. With all the charter sales, you know, during the off season and teams moving around, it really switched to where we went from, uh, you know, probably somewhere in the lineup of sixth and budget to race with, you know, you know, six from the bottom, maybe somewhere in that area. Just, I don't know the exact numbers because obviously we don't know one another's budgets exactly. Yeah. Right. But it was, you know, there was, there was people to race with that were more close to what we had for a budget for where we started out. Okay. And now there's really, there's really no one like it's, it's, you know, if you look at it, I would say we're probably the lowest budget team in the sport. And that's the biggest change from last year. And with the money comes the infrastructure and you're nothing without people, right? Like it's, we need to, we need to build up our shop resources and, and everything to be able to make our team stronger. And there's a, there's more teams this year that have that. And like I said, if you look, I know I've paid attention since 2012, there's never been the amount of of um 
competitive teams that are there that are there right now since 2012. Like I, it's not, it's not even close. Okay. So the, the last time I talked to you, uh, back in October at Kansas, you, you hadn't had a chance to get in the next gen car yet. Um, what was it like for you to finally get in the next gen car? Like what, what was your first impressions of it when you got in it? From the time when I first sat down in it, I thought, wow, this feels like a super late model. Like it just, the seats sit lower. You can see less, which I enjoy. Um, it just, and just, you got sequential transmission, right? Like that's not a super late model, but that's really cool. Like, it's just, it's, it's just a different animal altogether. And it was so fun to test it at the Charlotte test in November and get to make laps and, you know, and like, it, you know, I've said before, it's, it's, you got to learn how to drive this thing. It's not, it's not anything like we've been dealing with a lot to do with the tire and, you know, the width of the tire, the sidewall, the tire, but the car itself is just, it's just newer age and, and it just has more things to, to, you know, to learn and fill out. And that's, it's been so much fun to try to work on that and, and get there. And there's a lot more fine line between safe and crashed with this car, right? Like, yeah, put this thing on the edge it is it takes a hundred percent of my focus and i i'm pretty sure it does most people out there that you can't ever relax and that's that's what we needed right so this is this is the cup series like we needed that and i'm excited that we've got that and at the same time challenged to try to figure it out because it's very hard like i mean it it is a hard car to drive but it's uh it's putting on unbelievable racing you can actually beat and bang now without cutting tires down left and mm. right. Like, that's huge for us. Like it's a lot more fun knowing that. And, you know, even the car that we, that we wrecked uh, Sunday, that thing, everything's fine. We just had an upper suspension failure because of, you know, point of contact, there was no way it was going to survive. Right. But the body and everything popped right back out. The tire wouldn't even have got cut. So to know that is, it's pretty cool to, to see the way you can race them now too. Can you give me like an indication of like compared to last year through six races, like what the cost savings have been for you compared compared to last year? It's, the the point I like to make with everybody on that is this thing's going to save us millions in R and D and work to try to catch yeah the front the front twenty right because you know once you get in the top twenty in the Cup Series and it's even a little it's you know it's further back than that right now it you know you're you're a tenth away from from sixth you know like it's so it's so competitive but this thing is just we don't have to develop the body right like we don't have to figure out the arrow as near as much as what we did before like there's just so much less money that needs to be spent that's where the majority of the savings is it is performing well and, and the pieces are are working good and and you know all that looks great after six races but we we mainly did it because of you know it, who knows how long it would have took us to figure out how to hang a body like one of the top four or top five you know organizations right like yeah it, it could have been two years it could have been 10 right you don't know so and the money behind that it, it's, it's millions it's not is there's no way to say it any differently so it's uh the, the savings are gonna be you know astronomical so as a driver what's been the biggest adjustment for you with this car compared to last year so the biggest, so right off the bat, the first thing before you start trying to race is just the sequential transmission. I've drove an H pattern for, I drove my first uh, semi when I was nine, right? Like I just, 
I've always drove manuals and the sequential is so hard to not shift to first when you're wanting to shift to third because you always for 30 some years shift forward for third right and now that'll put you right back in first gear so yeah it's been it was kind of hard to get over that but as far as driving the car it's definitely the steering input is so much different to me than than the gen 6 car it's when you put it on the edge the i believe it's to do with the width of the front tire and the smaller sidewall when you turn the wheel to try to save it or you know try to turn it it changes the dynamic wedge so quick that it's so quick in comparison to the gen 6 car it makes you be a lot more precise with your corrections and your input in the first place so that's been the the biggest you know switch for me so through the first six races everyone who's won a race has been like under the age of 30 um how much do you think that has to do with this being young drivers who don't have you know decades of uh experience with the previous type of car that they're easily adaptable do you think the older drivers are having a hard time getting acclimated to it you know i've kind of wondered that myself i didn't pay attention to that stat till i saw it this week after ross won right and i you know i'm not 100 percent sure on the answer like i i want i'm actually looking into that to try to figure out because there's something to be learned there right like it's there's no doubt in my mind that your older drivers are always you're 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 better driver if you just look at it from a factual standpoint right like they've been to these tracks they've they know the bumps they've done they've done so much stuff that you can't beat the knowledge and the experience you just can't right so that that's always going to be there but i think to your point you know there's there's some stuff that and i think even kevin may have said it i think i saw that this week that you know it's trying to trying to do away with you know, decades or several years worth of for the for the older drivers of doing things a certain way to be good, right? And now mm-hmm. they have to switch to where maybe some of the newer drivers don't have that. But I would also say Ross Chastain is not a new driver. He's yeah. not, it, he's just not like, I mean, yeah, maybe what it's third or fourth full-time season, maybe in cup, but maybe fifth, I don't know for sure. But that, that he should be put on the side of he's, an old school driver right mm. like that's that's who ross is so you know i don't think that we need to get it figured out or you know put it on a on a piece of paper that hey you're you're, you're old school or you're new school you're going to adapt quicker or adapt slower i just think that it's something there's something there that you know it, it so i'm not as successful as as you know let's say kevin or kyle or you know somebody that you know is you know won a ton of races and have learned how to dominate with every car we've had before this car right i'm not them so i can't answer it exactly right but it seems like things they had to learn to be dominant and so successful with the gen 6 car is hard to shift to the next gen car in six races right they will definitely get there there's no doubt right but maybe it's just difficult to switch some of that stuff in a six race period to figure out how to be dominant with this car as to where somebody that never had the success in the gen six car that didn't learn those certain characteristics that they needed to fill or do throughout a race to be a winner and be dominant maybe that makes it easier for them because they didn't have that to start with right like maybe and like i said i'm not i'm still searching for the right answer on this because 
it's all, you know, we're, we're all developing, we're all learning, you know, at the same time, this car is new for everybody. So it's, uh, it's something that I'm trying to figure out because I know for myself, you know, the, 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 the driving, the driving of the car is so different and it is so difficult. It, it's, you know, I'm, I'm off from, you know, where I normally am, right? Like as far as, and I know I'm a 30th place driver, right? But it's still harder for me to maintain this car for four hours than it was last year by far. Like it's not even close. Okay. Wow. So what one thing we, we talked about last year was, you know, your, your goals as a team were like, you knew, you knew, you knew you're going to still be finishing off the lead lap, but you're going to be finishing fewer, you know, laps off the pace. And you said that that's going to be really good for like the morale of the team, but also, you know, the morale of the driver. So how's team and driver morale at this point? It's definitely been good for us, you know, the whole group, because, you know, we had lead lap at Fontana. We had uh, two laps down at Vegas, which at Vegas, we didn't get a lot of helps with cautions or anything like we, we earned that. Right. And we were eight or nine laps down. You could look back, but it was at least eight laps down in September there, or when we were there last, I think it was September. Um, it's not even, we're, we're so much closer to the, to the lead pack than what we were. It's, it's been awesome to, to see that reality. Now we had a failure at Phoenix that I still was able to finish the race, but I think I ended up four or five laps down, but at, I didn't have but 65% throttle for the whole race. The, we had a, a bolt come loose in the, the throttle assembly and it wouldn't let me get wide open. So that wasn't a fair measurement, but the, um, you know, the Atlanta deal, obviously it was more of, of a super speedway type race, mm. nowhere near like Talladega Daytona, but it was more like that. And that helped our situation, but we were still good enough to be able to race up there and stay with them because with the amount of throttle lift you have there, it, you had to have a good car to be able to be still on the lead lap. And we never had trouble maintaining lead lap at all. And also you, you led the first two laps of your cup career. Yeah. Somebody told me that after the race, I thought, or actually Pepper said it during the race and I was laughing. I didn't even know that. Right? Like I, I guess um, the way, cause we were lead lap the way we were waiting till second time by to pit because, you know, it's just when we're saving stuff, I don't, I don't like to get in the middle of the leaders on pit road and mess, maybe mess up their day when really it's not going to hurt me at all to just pit second time. And uh, we waited and I guess the way it worked out, I crossed the line first. So it was kind of funny. <laughs> so does, does knowing, does knowing you led, you've led in the cup series, does that, does that take any meaningful significance for you? Even though, even if it was under caution. So when you look at, you know, where I come from in my dreams as a kid and, and working through this whole process and how long it's taken me to, to get to be a driver in the cup series. Absolutely. It means something right for the person that I am right now in one ear out the other means nothing. Okay. But <laughs> you still have to, you still have to put it because it's so funny that it's a fun question because like, you, you know, if I take myself and step out and look at what we've done, I'm so thankful and so proud of it. And it's just unbelievable that I'm here, right? Then when you are this person and you do figure out how to, to to be here, now I just want to be successful. So now nothing's good enough, right? <laughs> like it just it's just the competitive nature of what ta- what it takes to be a person to to get to where we've gotten to. It, that competitive nature means that you're going to constantly be unhappy, right? Like you have to push 
you have to dig and you know that person is like i could care less if i let a lap under caution or i let one <laughs> lap here i really led one under green i really oh i want to win and i want to be up front and that's that's who i am now right but yeah like i said if you if you go back to where we started if you told me i'd ever lead a cup race and in under caution or green whatever i'd be like it's probably not gonna happen but i'm gonna try <laughs> all right so okay I, I'm, as an owner did, did you have an, any opinion on what nascar uh did in, in coda regarding the the rumble strips and the s's and them like taking them out without really warning anybody about it so i'm not is, is an, I guess it's hard for me to answer that, right? Because that's mainly the driver's side of me. And the driver's side of me has never been good enough at a road course to to be able to give information on what we should do, right? Like, I just go with the flow. But, you know, if I looked at it from an owner's standpoint, it's just the only thing I would say is, you know, work on communication to where we can work together. And not me. I'm saying your competitive drivers work with NASCAR and and that way, just the information leading up for the week, you know, they had some, some, uh, you know, the, I guess when the curbs got taken out, it changed the line drastically, right? And yeah. that's what nobody wants to see that, right? Like NASCAR doesn't either. They, they were just, they were trying to help, you know, the situation because we don't want cars flying up in the air like we had in Indy, right? Like it, that one rumble strip somewhere, I think there was one on the left and then it, there was one on the right uh coming on to that fast back stretch and then there was one on the left that took out like six or seven xfinity cars at the start of the race and i think it got four or five cup cars at the start of the race right yeah. like that's what nascar was trying to avoid you know and yeah. that that's that's the right decision and i think you know now now it's just you know some get some experienced you know competitive drivers and and talk with them from nascar's point of view and and figure it out a little bit ahead of time and that way you know everybody's everybody preps right is the only thing to to look at from that situation all right so the next like three weeks you got richmond uh martinsville and then you got bristol dirt um are you, are you going to be in the car for all three of those races definitely going to be in for richmond and martinsville i may do something different for dirt um working on a couple of things right now that uh i would be excited to do if, if we could get that driver so um don't know for sure there but i uh, am definitely looking forward to the next two weeks and i love the dirt race too just uh just uh you know don't have much dirt experience so want to run as good as we can and i'm not I'm not scared of it like the road courses <laughs> I, know I'll, I know i'll be slow but the dirt race i actually think i'd be pretty good at it but i've never done it and uh if we can help somebody and, and, uh, you know, get somebody that we think can do a good job, that's got some dirt experience, then I uh, might do that. So we'll see what happens. Is, is it hard for you to like give up your seat to someone else or is that an easy thing for, for you to do? You know, oddly enough, I've never gave it up unless I thought somebody could do better than me. And okay. that doesn't bother me. Like I, you know, I, I watch, you know, I watch F1 documentary right now. I'm watching that just to see how they did it all. And, there's you know drivers in there that you listen to them and they just they can't stand the thought of another driver out running them right mm -hmm. i am not that guy like i would rather you know if there's somebody better let me learn from them right because i believe i can i can match or catch anyone right like i just i believe that and i think that a lot of a lot of drivers do right but i take an approach of you know what if if you can do something better let me see it right like let's do that and then i'll get better Right. Like that's the way I look at it. And I, I want, 
I want people to succeed and I like to push people around me to be better. And I think that part of me, you know, is what makes it where I don't mind getting out. Like I'm still the owner, right? I still mm. get to be part of it and whoever gets in their success is my success. So I don't, I've just never, I've, it has never, never bothered me one bit. So is it, so is it, I guess it, is it hard for you to watch at home to see your car and not be in it? Is, is that, is that hard for it's, you? So it's weird because I'm definitely, I definitely don't like watching. I can tell you that right now. Like I, uh, I love racing and you know, it's been my life since before I can remember. I do not like watching my own sport because it definitely <laughs> makes me mad that I'm not there. Like I, it don't matter. Truck race, Xfinity race, cup race i watched them all okay when i'm not driving but it's from an informational standpoint right like just to try to to keep getting better i really do not like watching them if i'm not driving because i feel like i failed and i should be there that's exactly the way i feel all right so correct me if i'm wrong earlier you said you drove your first semi at the age of nine yes tell was there a parent around so my dad was sitting in the passenger seat my mom was in the sleeper and we were in an orange grove with 20 foot ditches on both sides okay so it was uh i don't know my dad he always like i said i've raced since before i can remember right i i got on a pocket bike that would run at that point it was a racing pocket bike and it would run 45 50 mile an hour i was on that at six months old like they, and I couldn't drive it. Right. Like I couldn't do nothing, but they, they set me on it and tried. That's the point. Okay. <laughs> By about two and a half years old, I could drive it. Like I could, I could wheel that thing. Right. I flipped a four wheeler and bit a hole straight through my lip. Uh, when I was two and a half years old in the front yard training to get ready to race. And I remember my dad thought he had killed me. Cause when he got to me, I had blood all over my face. Right. And he, he's care. I still, now this is like one of my first memories he's carrying me into the house or up to the house, you know, scared to death. Right. My dad doesn't get scared. Like he's, he just, he's just not that kind of guy. But It was funny for me. Cause he's scared. Cause I got blood all over me. And my mom looked at me and she's like, Oh, he'll be fine. Don't worry about it. She just started wiping it off and cleaned it up and went back, rode the full it. Right. Like that's the kind of stuff that I always did. So it was fun. Like they always put me, you know, in stuff that was way past my age limit, my age, like should be undoable. Like, you know, the first time I drove a Jeep, I was three years old, you know, and I just sat in their lap. They pushed me forward and I pushed the pedals and shifted and everything. Like they just always did that for me. And I think that's, you know, one reason when my earlier career, I was the youngest ever super late model winner, the youngest ASA driver, you know, youngest person to win a championship, in a super late model, like all that stuff, because they pushed me so far at a young age and the semi was no different. They, uh, they taught me how to shift them in the yard there at the shop. And that day we were just rolling through the orange grove and I was like, can I drive? And dad's like, yeah, you can drive. So we switched and I actually was pulling a load of fruit down through the orange grove to, uh, actually I was pulling a trailer to drop it off for them to load it. But that was the first time I drove a semi. So what, what did you, did, did you, was your dad a trucker or was he an orange farmer? Which they owned. So they were both, they had, they had over the road trucks and, uh, they had a picking and hauling business and um, basically they, you know, supplied the semis, the trailers and the, the uh, we called them goats, but they were like high lifts that would pick up the tubs to, uh, you know, uh, dump the oranges in the trailer. So basically pick the orange off the tree, put it in the tub, pick the tub up, 
dump it in the trailer and take the trailer to the plant that was that's the process still is so you know they owned all of that and then like i said they had over the road trucks okay cool anyway okay so um th- th- this is gonna go be on my my, my podcast uh dropping the hammer and th- this year i'm asking every driver uh i have on here uh uh, uh days of thunder question okay. so of the of the three main drivers from Days of Thunder, uh, Cole Trickle, Roddy Burns, or Russ Wheeler, who are you? Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> um, let's say I'd like to be Rowdy. Like okay. I like Rowdy. Yeah, I'd Is like it... to be that. I got to be more successful, but that's <laughs> okay. who I'd like to be. But personality wise, are, are, yeah, are you... yeah, I'm definitely rowdy personality wise. There's no doubt, but it's, uh, it's, um, or you know, at least close to it, right? But it, um, it's, it's definitely like I'd like to be that. I'd like to be that successful. What's your favorite part of Days of Thunder? You know, I've watched that movie at least, no exaggeration, ten times. I. I'd say my fastest, my, my favorite part is probably when he gets in the car and hauls ass at Charlotte, right? Yeah. Like nobody's expecting it and he's extremely fast. So that that's when, uh, when Cole does that, it's, it's a pretty good part of the movie. What, what's your favorite track to track to race at? You know, I hate answering this question because there's so many different types of racetracks and situations with packages and things we go to, but you know, I'm, I'm trying to shift it because I get asked this a lot and I feel like I need to be able to answer it. But, you know, if, it, if we're looking at just from a driving standpoint, amount of talent it takes to race the track, I like Darlington. Darlington's the winner because you still get to run 170, 180, and the track is just unbelievably hard to drive. Like, it's just nothing normal about it at all. How do you think the next gen car, what, what kind of show is it going to put on at Darlington? So, I mean, you know, Darlington's the test, right? Like it's going to be, it's going to be, I think there's going to be a ton of going and coming. <laughs> I think, I think we're going to have, you know, obviously we're going to have tire fall off and, you know, strategy's going to come into it. And I think there'll be a lot of passes that day. You know, it's a, for me, it's a test because that, that track's going to be really hard to handle with the next gen car. And I believe there's no doubt it doesn't create good TV because <laughs> it's going to be for, from a driver's standpoint, I am definitely, that's the one circled on the calendar that I'm like, how am I supposed to finish 500 miles there? Right. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like I told, I told Matt that before Fontana and we finished lead lap, I think 22nd. Matt's like, I've never seen you this worried about, about getting through a race. And I was like, I'm just telling you, it's hard. Like, it's not, this is not getting it and just, just drive, just drive and, and it'll be okay. Right. Like you gotta, you gotta bust your butt every second you're in that car right now. And then you throw Darlington in the mix, which is a track that you can never relax. I just, uh, I really can't wait to see the outcome. All right. Um, I think that's all I got for you, BJ. So yeah, um, I appreciate you taking the time out of your, your Tuesday yeah. to talk to me and answer my yeah. questions. It was really nice. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate everything you do. All right. All right. Thank you. Have a great, great week and enjoy Richmond. Sounds good, man. We'll see you. Bye. Bye.